people hate themselves into therapy. Like, I need to fix my marriage. So I'm going to push myself really, really hard in therapy. And when I see that happen, I tell people, you can't hate yourself into health. You can only love yourself into health. And if you truly want to be stable and happy, it starts with love. You can't heal unless you love yourself enough to let yourself heal. Hello, and thank you for joining me here on Hope to Recharge podcast, the podcast that's designed to break the stigma around mental health and to create some hope and inspiration and give some practical tips to those that are struggling with mental health, whether it's from personal stories to break the stigma or some advice from professionals in the mental health community. Whether you are struggling with mental health on your own or you know a loved one that is struggling, we are here to support you and to create a community so you you know you are not alone. The road to recovery can be difficult and challenging. At Hope to Recharge, we believe that in mental health, together is always better. I'm your host, Matana. Thank you for joining me here today. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp.com. Are you looking for online therapy? Are you stuck at home like everyone else? High stress, high anxiety, worried about the future, trying to navigate everything, have a lot of worries, had a lot of emotional roller coaster rides up and down, just like me. BetterHelp.com is one phone call away, one Zoom call away, one text away. It's an online platform for therapy. It's so perfect for now, for coronavirus, for what people are going through now. We can reach out and get the perfect therapist that meets our needs. Don't wait. Check them out. See if you can find somebody. Don't struggle. They're so affordable. They are so affordable. You're sitting at home. Every therapist is working online now. Reach out and get help you need. If you are struggling, don't struggle in silence. I am so grateful that they are giving us 10% off the first month so you can get affordable access to therapy. Go to betterhelp.com forward slash hope to recharge. Betterhelp.com forward slash hope to recharge, start your wellness, get help, get support you need. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining me here today on Self Love Month on Hope to Recharge podcast. A very interesting thing happened to me today. And we're literally today, when we're recording this, it's a week before we're going to publish this episode. Usually I'm weeks or months in advance um, recording. And we're supposed to, the schedule was to record a different, to publish a different episode. And it was just not sitting right with me. And I said, I need something so powerful for the last episode of this month to close off the month with like, like really setting you off to the world with the best tools that we can give you um, from this podcast on how to really incorporate self-love, self-acceptance, self-awareness, which is the beginning. And because it's the found, as we spoke about for the last few weeks, it's the foundation of healing, in my opinion. And I was literally sitting this morning and I'm like, it was early this morning, I think it was 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. And I said, who would I want to speak about this? And for some reason, somebody that was a guest on the show already, Folly Klein, the hypnotherapist from episode 91, you should go listen to it, was one one of the most popular episodes, by the way. Folly Klein, I met her through a workshop we did together on healing. And whenever we get we speak, it's like endless amount of of, of topics and and deep diving into healing and and things that most human beings don't love talking about for long, but we can 
you, I always say you can put us on an island for a month and we'll just have what to talk about. And my mind said, folly, folly. So I, even though it was in the middle of the night, I, I sent her a message. What, what do you think about self-love? Can you come on this podcast to discuss the last episode? Because I think you would be the most amazing person to deep dive on this topic. She's, and she's like, I just finished a course this week on self-love. Like just now, and I knew nothing about it. I, I literally knew nothing about the course and she did it during COVID. And it was a course that Folly created about a year ago. And now was the perfect time to be born into the world during COVID. I'm like, wow. And we were talking about how energy just aligns itself through vibrations. When you, when you open yourself up to receive what you want and you put the call out there to the world, I put it up to God. But when we say what we want and we're open to really receive, we receive exactly what we asked for. And it was so perfect. And it was really last minute. I'm so grateful to Folly that she's like, okay, we'll just do this. And um, we made it happen. But the way it happened was like, okay, it's not even a question that you're the person that needs to be here. You are the person. So Folly, thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for accepting it on last minute notice. And thank you for being so incredibly knowledgeable on a million topics when it comes to healing and spirituality and anything that's so interesting. Thank you. I want to reflect back to you something when you said that I am the person to talk about this topic. I actually want to say that I wasn't always this person. And that's why when you mentioned about this course that I wrote and designed a year ago, and I only rolled it out now because when I wrote the course and I ran it by some of my friends or colleagues, it was one friend in particular who loved the course. And she says, Folly, you are going to change the world with this course, but you're a hypocrite because you wrote this entire eight-week course with all these beautiful modules and they're built on the foundation of self-love and you don't have any. And she was right because I had spent years kind of hating myself into a version of myself that I could like. I think I spent, not, not just me, but a lot of us or a lot of people I see spent a lot of our childhoods feeling not good enough or not loved or insecure. And so we were really hard on ourselves and we hated ourselves into becoming successful, into becoming skinny, into becoming pretty, into becoming versions of ourselves that maybe we were we could become worthy of love through that. And when my friend was reflecting that back to me, I had just gone through years of like schooling and training and running after diplomas and trying, honestly, trying to prove I was good enough. And she says, Folly, this course is going to change the world, but you're not ready to give it yet. And I love her enough to trust her and to trust her reflection of me. And that's why I shelved the course for a year. And it was a year that I, I actually really did spend on loving myself, on eliminating the things in my life that weren't loving towards myself. And in COVID especially, I felt like everything was stripped away. All of your titles, all of the things that you tell yourself you are, all the things you're busy with, you can't hide behind them anymore. And we were stuck in quarantine with nothing but ourselves. And if you don't love yourself, then being isolated in quarantine with nothing but yourself is a very painful experience. And that's what I saw coming back from my clients and the people I speak to on a regular basis. I think what everyone I, I was surrounded with, what everyone was struggling with was I'm alone with myself for the first time in years and I really don't like it. And I, I realized, okay, now is the time to roll out the course. And it was an eight week course and we, we just, we finished it. Uh, last night. And then you texted me, which was whew, 
Like Crazy. how serendipitous is that? Oh my God. I thought you finished like, like last week you finished it. You finished it no. last night, like a last few night. hours before I texted you. Last night at 1030, last module was done. Oh my God. I have the chills. I thought it was last week you finished no. the last one. No, we're having our closing ceremony because there's the lecture that's given in the beginning of the week. And then we have the clo- we have a question answer. So we're having that on Thursday. We're still in the middle of our last week. And the topic of this week is um, thriving and orientation of love. Yeah. It, I, this story gives me chills, but it, and it gives me, I, I giggle from it because people that know me know that this happens to me all the time. I just invite it. And I love when it's so clear. I love, sometimes it's not so clear. Sometimes we see it years after, like down the line. Sometimes it's a little bit off. We're not sure. This was like clear as like, like writing the script. Folly will be your last episode of self-love in Hope to Recharge June 2020. Like it was crazy. And and then you said, like, I just finished giving out the course for eight weeks. I'm like, really? And the thing is that I hardly spoke to Folly for the last few months. I didn't communicate with a lot of people. I really didn't communicate with a lot of people. So, so Folly, I'm excited. I'm excited to deep dive into this topic of self-love. But before I go, I want to go into my first question. You said that your friend said that you don't love yourself. How did she know so well that you don't love yourself? And how did that show up in the world? Like, how did you show up in the world or to yourself that she said, okay, you're, you're, you don't love yourself. You need to do the exercise before you can give it over. I think that's the sign of a really, really good friend who's not afraid to call you out because most people who know me would not have said that. I'm really successful. I'm really powerful, really well-spoken. I have everything going for me and it looks, it looks to the world like I'm at the top of my game. And it takes a really good friend to see beneath that and to ask, how did you get to the top of your game? You know, are you flowing there or are you pushing? Are you pushing yourself? Are you pushing yourself way too hard? And I really was. I was exhausted all the time. I was losing a lot of weight. Um, I was putting, um, I was putting in 20 hour days you know, between I was in school and I was graduating first in my class, but also seeing clients full time and raising a family and traveling. And there was so much going on. And she was able to reflect that to me. And to anybody else, it just seems like, wow, Folly, she made it. She's, she's, just, she's just where I want to be. And my friend was able to look at me and say, Folly, but is this really what is it? You are where you want to be, but is this how you want to feel? And the background that I come from, having been ill as a child, you know, with I, I we spoke about this last time I was on the podcast that I had cancer as a child. My friend is also somebody who dealt with chronic illness. And we're both very big advocates for your body is telling you something. You have to listen. And it was like she was basically reflecting to me, Folly, you're not listening to your own body. You're not taking your own medicine. And I was of the mind that it's fine. It's just, it's just until I graduate. It's just until I get my diploma. It's just, 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 just. And there was always another just. And she was a good friend, not, not just to see it in me, but to love me enough to tell me so. And I count myself very, very lucky because there are very few, there are very few people that would do that for you that would be that honest with you from a place of so much love. And I think I was able to take that from her because I knew how much she loved me. It wasn't a dig at me. She wasn't trying to put me down. She was, she was actually saying, I love this course. I want to help you bring this course to the world. 
but I want you to do it from a place of love. And so. I think it takes a great one to be able to hear it from a friend, even from a good friend, even from a spouse, even from a parent. It's really hard to hear what we don't want to hear. It's really hard. You know, you're right, but there was more to that. There was more to that. As, as hard as it was for my ego, because no one's ego wants to hear that, there was another piece of this puzzle when you said about manifesting that this is your life, that every, like doors just open for you. So I'm very similar. And I, I saw you, you know, you saw I smiled when you said it. I'm laughing with you because we, we know that we have this a lot. What I found was when I wrote this course, it, there were eight modules. And even though when I, when I approached my friend, I had it all mapped out, but I didn't have it fleshed out. And so what happened to me was, is that as I went through life, every module opened itself up to me really by like divine inspiration. So as I was ready for module one, module one manifested. Module two was not open to me in terms of planning. So I noticed for myself when I was ready to listen to to her reflection about self-love, I noticed how beautifully and richly the different modules manifested for me. They showed up to my doorstep only as I surrendered and allowed them to come to me one at a time. And I could not, and I feel now looking back at this course, that having allowed myself to surrender to the divinely inspired time and flow, this course is divine. But had I not listened to her and tried to pump it out from my depleted state where I was in a year ago, it would have been a nice course, but it wouldn't have been what I just finished giving over. and It wouldn't be that power and no. the energy behind it. Yeah. I, I know exactly what you're, what you're saying. I, I think I shared this with you that with my mastermind, I usually plan the mastermind of a few weeks in advance. And it's something that I want to work on with myself then. And I know that I need it then. And it's so much more uh, powerful to, to share something that you're going through and you're working through at the same time. And it's just like unfolding with the audience. It's just, it's, it's just a different experience. So I know exactly what you're talking about. And I'm so grateful that God led me to think about you and see, literally see it. And, and that everything fell into place so perfectly. So wow, 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 wow. And it's funny that God designed your module a year ago, put it away so you could be perfectly ready for hope to recharge when you were done giving it over. Do you understand how crazy that is? I mean, alignment right there. Yeah, yeah. And we both believe in alignment. And on a very side note, when you believe in alignment and you live alignment, you just see how things just... And then you don't push things. Like you said before, are you pulling... Or what was the other word? Are you... Are you am pulling? I pushing myself or am uh, yeah. I welcoming it? yeah. It's, it's very different. Like yeah. what is the thing that's driving you? Sometimes you just feel like a feather and sometimes you feel like you're a heavy load. Which one is yeah. it? Which I one felt is like it? The, it was the difference between having it come from me or having it come through me. Oh, so beautiful. So let's go back to a year ago. Mm. Why self-love? Well, by, by my training and by life experience, I have evolved into someone who works a lot with trauma. It wasn't my intention. You know, we discussed my journey. The last time I was on your call, I went from hypnotherapy to intimacy counseling, breath work. And what evolved over the course of time, 
I noticed that I was really, really good at working with victims of trauma, all, all kinds of trauma. Now, trauma has certain unifying characteristics. No matter what your trauma is, there are certain elements that define it as trauma. And one of those are that trauma is something that happened to you in the perceived absence of love, which is why two people can go through the same circumstance and one walks away completely fine and the other one is severely affected, maybe even has, has PTSD years and years later. So what's the difference? What's the, what, how did the same circumstance impact two different people in two different ways? And usually it's the absence or the perceived absence of love, safety, and belonging. Because as human beings, we're not, we, we can't live in a vacuum. We're not isolated. And we need to feel just like we need food, clothing, shelter in order for, for our, us to survive physically. We need the feelings of love, safety, and belonging to survive emotionally and mentally. So most of our trauma, I mean, there's physical trauma, such as being in a car accident or having, you know, an illness or something like that. But most of our trauma that we deal with in the therapy world is emotional trauma. And that is usually an impact that was left in the absence of love, safety, or belonging. So what I noticed in years of doing this work is that no matter what people were coming to me for, when you brought them down to the root of their issue, most of them had the same roots. We have certain common fears, certain common brokennesses inside of us. And I've, I've yet to meet someone who doesn't struggle with this who doesn't struggle with self-love. So it was very clear to me that any healing, any healing had to start on a foundation of love because that's where the wound began. The wound began without the love. Something else I also noticed is no matter how much love I throw at you, if you don't love yourself or you don't believe you're worthy of love, the love I'm going to give you is never going to be enough. And the way I learned this was because I had a Messiah complex. When I first started this work, it's super common to feel like we, we start off this work super idealistic. I'm going to save the world. I'm going to save everybody because I'm so smart and I'm so powerful and I'm so amazing. I'm going to save you. Super codependent. But, you know, and then I was depleting myself and I realized that I was giving so much to my clients. I was giving so much to my friends and so much to people and it was never enough because for as long as they didn't believe that they were worth saving or believe that they were worthy of what I was giving them to, they were either pushing me away or, or just draining me, taking way too much. And what I learned was that I had to teach people kind of like if you're a bottomless pit, I can give you my love, but you have to put the bottom in there. And I had to start teaching people that they needed to be their own container. They needed to be their own vessel, which is why my course was named Vessel of Truth. Because I believe that you need to be a vessel in order to be able to hold the truth. And love is the medium in which that vessel gets built. Is that great? Do you remember what we spoke about today about the coffee? Yes. And I didn't, I didn't even know. You said the this. word vessel like 90 <laughs> times. <laughs> and I didn't even know the name until the second. I was like, I'll I just save it for the call. Oh my God. Until this very second, I didn't know that that was the name of your course. Because yep. let's share what with the audience what we're talking about. I was sharing with Folly about, about um, like inviting what you want into your life. And no one can want it more than you want something. And that's why you need to be a vessel to receive. And if you're going to be a full vessel of negativity and trauma and stuff that is blocking the ability to receive. You cannot go, and I gave her the analogy, you cannot go into Starbucks, and I'd say this to a lot of people, and order a cup of coffee exactly the way you are, 
and you're going to bring them the full mug from your old coffee and say, give me them, put into this mug that's full of coffee, a new fresh cup of coffee. You can't. The vessel- That sounds disgusting. Yeah. You need to be an open vessel to receive and to have the space in it to receive the good. It's so funny that that you that's what you called the course. And you know what? The course, I was back and forth on the name. I did not love the name. I'm a cop I, I was a copywriter. I mean, you know, I've written a couple of books. Words are my thing. And the name didn't feel right. It didn't, it wasn't clean. It wasn't like one of those pretty catchy names. And and I couldn't change it for some reason. No matter how many times I tried, I couldn't change it. And then as the course evolved, it became so clear why this needed to be the title of the course. And there was one moment where I considered changing it to vessel of love versus vessel of truth, because the, the whole course is built on the foundations of love. And the reason that I didn't end up changing and I kept it to truth was because I realized this truth is higher than love. And sometimes truth doesn't feel loving. You know, when people are busy, like you have to listen to my truth, you have to listen to my truth. And there's a lot of love lost in that. But I feel that when you can show up to life, with love, then you will see the truth. You will, you will see your truth. You will be able to hold space for someone else's truth. It will be, it won't be a competition. When you can show up with love, people will show you their true selves. They will stop lying to you. They'll stop trying to pretend in front of you. And that, that enables you to form real meaningful, lasting connections, to have vibrancy in your life. So it was called Vessel of Truth because truth, I believe, is higher than love, but love is the medium to get you there. It's, it's, I, I couldn't have said it better than you did. And yes to that. I want to go back to a little bit about what you said before that you were giving, 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 and they were either rejecting or, or not doing the work or no showing up. You were giving 200% and they were just like, just not receiving. And I, I say this all the time to people that call me and want to work with me. And I say, are you ready to fight for what you want so badly that when it really hurts, it's like running from a tsunami and you are going to do anything to save your life in order to get out of the tsunami? Because it's going to feel like a tsunami when you go through the work. And we as facilitators as 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 people that walk with you through it we can't want it more than you and that where we need to work on self love and i say this to people you want a quick fix you want to heal yes we want it so badly but are you willing to do the work that feels so ridiculous like self love self love sounds like silly what am i going to tell myself that i love myself i'm going to care about myself i'm going to buy myself stuff i'm going to i put boundaries up all these things, but how am I going to heal from that? Yes, that is the foundation to healing. And when we see that and we start practicing that, that's when it, the journey to healing gets so clear and easy. But if we don't have the self-love, we're not going to fight in the tsunami of mental frustration, anguish, pain. I, I totally agree with that, that the foundation is self-love, but it's easier said than done, Folly. Definitely. There's also, um, based on what you said, you know, because of what I said earlier, that so many of us have hated ourselves into greatness, hated ourselves into being a certain size, hated ourselves into looking a certain way. So I see this a lot. People hate themselves into therapy. Like I need to fix my marriage. So I'm going to push myself really, really hard in therapy. And when I see that happen, I tell people, you can't hate yourself into health. You can only love yourself into health. And if you truly want to be stable and happy, 
it starts with love. You can't heal unless you love yourself enough to let yourself heal. And it's know really that you deserve. Powerful. And yeah. know that you're worthy of love. Are you worthy of love? Are you worthy worthy of a good life? Are you worthy of a good relationship? Are you worthy of healing from this chronic disease? Are you worthy? And if you don't believe you're worthy, it's going to be really hard to build a long-lasting. I say, I always say, you can build a little bit, but then it's going to collapse in the next thing that comes your way, and it'll be very hard to rise up again. My next question to you is. Why, if we're born, we're born with as babies, as self-loving people, we get the love, we get the nurture, and very young, like really young, we start having these voices, competition, even the two-year-old competition, crying when we fail, if they didn't win the race or whatever. What is that about self-love that so young is a problem? You know, I'm not sure the problem is the competition or the lack of like winning, that kind of thing. Because actually, when a kid cries, when they're disappointed, I think that's still a sign of love. I love myself enough. I should have won, right? They still believe in themselves. They believe in the, if themselves. If they do. And, yeah, if they do, but that's right. actually a good sign. Right. Their disappointment is a good sign because it means that they intended to win. They expected to win. That was beautiful. I think we're where we start hating ourselves, or again, I'm using a strong word, but where we, where we start losing the love comes from a couple of places. A, the obvious, the obvious one is trauma. Not all of us were raised in healthy environments where we were surrounded by that kind of love. And that, that's the obvious one that everyone goes to. But I think there's one that's more subtle, a little less obvious. And that's the idea that love is dangerous. True love is dangerous because true love will always give way to the truth. Think about it. When a child is born and a child is all love and all love is wonder, flow, connection, curiosity. I want to know everything. I mean, kids just exude love and love isn't just hallmark, mushy, you know, my, my, my friend described this, my colleague, actually, he's the one giving the men's course. We, we did Vessel of Truth together. I gave it over for the women and he gave it over to the men. And he described it as a heart orgasm. And I think that Hallmark has a very, like a very Valentine's version of love, but kids have this heart orgasm to the entire world. Like I love, 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 love everything. Now, when a kid shows up with that much love, love will always shine a light on shadow. It brings shadows to the surface to come up and heal. So when a kid goes to their parent, mommy, why is the world this way? And they're saying this out of love, out of that heart orgasm place of teach me about the world, this beautiful, wonderful playground of a world that I want to know more of. And then mommy is struck with a question that she doesn't exactly have the answer to, or maybe a question that gives her a lot of pain. And then she has a choice because she can either go inside and look at that pain that her child's question brought to the surface and work through that pain and maybe make some hard choices and decisions like, wait, why am I living a life of pain? Maybe I made the wrong decisions. Maybe I have to change certain things. Or she can choose to ignore the pain and tell her child, don't ask such questions. That's a stupid question. I don't know. The world is the way it is just because. I mean, I've done this with my own child, right? Kids will ask a lot of religious questions, especially if you're raising them religious. Why do we do this? Why do we do that? And then you're like, I don't know. I never really worked that out for myself. And I'm not sure I like doing this. And I'm not sure I like doing that. And maybe God is going to, maybe I'm only doing it because I think I'm going to burn in hell and God is going to smite me. That's a painful question. And it's born out of the true love of a child. 
But if we adults don't love ourselves enough to be okay with the discomfort of our shadows and work through them, what do we do? We unintentionally shut down our children who are only operating from a place of love. So very, very early on, we learn to cut ourselves off from that very loving curiosity and openness. We learn that love is not okay. We learn that to show up with that kind of freedom and that kind of connection is unsafe, unsafe to the world around us, and therefore unsafe to us because of the way they're going to respond to us through that question. So I think that's why a lot of us get shut down even if we don't have trauma. The world doesn't want to be faced with love. Wow. But what is, what is that? First of all, I'm still processing what you're saying and I'm loving it. And I'm, I'm, in my mind, I'm like, yes, this happened to me then. And this happened to me then. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm counting exactly when I was shut down from this um, curiosity, as you say, that the natural love. When do we change into, okay, it's dangerous, so I don't give it to myself. I don't show up for myself. It's selfish. You know, we're taught it's selfish. It's not about you. Look at other people, care about other people, give to the world, share with the world. Um, notice, I do this with my children all the time. Be considerate, share. You know how we say, uh, oh, two kids are playing and they're fighting, like sharing is caring and like this whole concept. So then we're like, okay, if I don't give of myself all the time without boundaries, I'm selfish. Again, going back to what I said earlier, that all trauma happens in the absence of love, safety, and belonging. Those are the three elements that we need in order to thrive. But the love, safety, and belonging are kind of like a rock, paper, scissors configuration. They, they move in a circle. Energy moves in a circle that feeds off itself. So if a child is wounded at a young age, and it, it makes them start questioning, like, wait, uh, I don't feel loved in this moment. Okay, maybe, maybe a teacher shuts the kid down, or the kid looks at a magazine where the models don't look like, her, like the way she looks. And she starts thinking, ah, I'm, I don't, I'm, I don't look like that loving, like, like all the adoration is going in that direction and it ain't coming to me, which makes them feel, ah, I, I don't belong. I don't, I don't fit in. And if I don't fit in, I don't feel safe. I don't feel like my needs are going to get taken care of because I'm all alone. I could end up dead and no one's going to find my body because I don't belong anywhere. I mean, I'm exaggerating, but these are deeply subconscious belief systems. So what does the child or the young woman or anyone do? They start crafting themselves into a version that other people can love. So, okay, if I starve myself to become the right size, I'm going to fit in to this crowd. When I fit in, I will feel safe. But will they ever feel safe? No, because underneath that, they will know the me that they love is not the real me. So they will always live with that doubt of, I don't actually deserve to belong and to have the safety and the love that I'm getting. So they're going to keep hating themselves and feeding that circle. Versus, if we can learn to love ourselves, I am enough. I am love. I don't need to prove anything to you. I'm enough. When I am enough and I love myself, automatically, I feel safe because I'm not reliant on you for that. I'm safe without you. And when I feel safe, I exude safety. When I exude safety, people come flocking to me. My vibe attracts my tribe. And they love me because I am safe. And why am I safe? Because I love myself. And it, we can change the flow of the energy. So I believe that it takes really nothing. Because energy works in a circle, 
It's a constantly flowing circuit. And if that circuit gets interfered with at a young age, even, even very, very subconsciously, the media will do it for you. A teacher will do it for you. A parent who comes home tired from work, who doesn't have patience for their child. And this is not throwing adults, all adults under the bus. I'm just saying it happens a lot. But it's very easy to flip the circuit of energy for a child to start second guessing, wait, am I worthy of love and attention? Because mommy's attention is always going to her phone. And daddy's attention is always going to work. So where do I stand? I think it doesn't take a lot. I think we just live in a, in a world where our attention isn't on building a generation of love. And COVID for me was such a blessing because it forced me to strip everything else away. Spending these months with my kids was like, I didn't even realize how much of me I wasn't giving them and how powerful it is just to give your kids a couple of minutes a day of eye contact. That's all it takes to build that kind of resilience because life is going to throw them down. I'm, I'm not saying, you know, when people hear me talk, they're like, that's it. I'm done. I've traumatized my kids. The fact that I've given birth to kids in this world, that's over. It's over. It's over. It's not over. Kids can withstand a lot of negativity. They have just a seed of resilience and giving them a seed of resilience is just eye contact uninterrupted a couple of minutes a day. Let your kid know that you are their, your priority, even if it's for a few minutes a day. So I believe that we, we don't have to go about this thinking, okay, it's so negative. We're so messed up. We're never going to fix this. I feel like it's really, really easy to fix if we know what we're doing. Going back to the selfish part, it's, mm. it's part of the story that we're telling ourselves to fit in. Yes. We're, say, we're, we're saying I shouldn't be selfish in order to, to fit in. And if I give, I'll be, I'll be the giver and I'll be the people I'll, pleaser. Uh, yeah. And then I'm worthy of love because I showed up for this person and I did this for this person and I cared about this person. The selfish part is really um, a story that we're telling ourselves in order to go into that circle you mm. speak about the, yes. the fitting in and feeling safe and belonging. Yes. And there's also one of my favorite teachers, Martha Beck. I recommend her books so highly. In her book, Finding Your Own North Star, she, she has this chapter on the distinction between your essential self and your social self. And your essential self is this, it's love. It's your bright, shining superstar, your uniqueness, your personality. And our essential self was the one that got hurt as a child. I said, hey, nobody wants you to be that weird. Nobody wants you to ask that question or be out of the box. So what we started developing was that social self, which isn't the real me, but it's the mask I wear to get you to like me. And I, a lot of us um, have been conditioned to believe that when we stay in alignment with what we call our essential self, we must be selfish. But selfish to me means, when, when people come up to me and say, but isn't that selfish? And I always ask, well, are you doing something to actively hurt another person? Is that, the definition, is that the definition of selfish? You know what? We each have a self. God puts you down here in a body and that body has needs. You have a self and we are instructed, we are commanded. And no matter what religion you're in, every religion commands you to take good care of yourself, because it is through this self that you will manifest your soul in this lifetime. Whatever your soul purpose, mission, you know, karmic, you know, life path was, you can't do it without your body. 
and your body has an ego and your body has physical, mental, emotional, spiritual needs. And taking care of those needs means taking care of the self. What I believe selfish is when you take care of those needs and put everybody else aside. Like, that, like I'll put you down in favor of my own needs. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step on you to take care of my own needs. That's what selfish means. But there's nothing wrong with taking care of yourself because when you do that, you actually can show up as a better version of yourself to everybody else. And I learned this the hard way because for years I negated myself, thinking that I didn't deserve to be taken care of, that if I took care of myself, then I wasn't being correct. I had to show up. I had to give all of myself to everybody else. And then I was dropping balls and I was, I was depleted and I, I wasn't resentful. I wasn't, I was resentful. Yes. Yes. But when I took some time off to put myself first, mm -hmm. I mean, my, the, my whole life changed. The quality of my work changed. The quality of my relationships changed. And everyone, not just me, everyone was better off for it. Because of the, as is, it always goes back to energy, besides the way, the fact that we show up in a different way, in a calmer way, in a kinder way, in a most, most authentic way when we take care of ourselves and we, we commit to what we want without feeling guilty or shame or, or resentment. We show up because we checked in with ourselves. Does this feel right for me? Am I a lot in alignment with my core values? Is this what I want to do? The energy that comes out is just more magnetic. It's just, it's just perfect. Not, there's always either the after, the during, it's something sticky and messy that comes out of it. And who are we helping? No one, really no one. As people that like, as, as people in the healing world, in the healing space, we believe that this is our calling. We have a gift. We want to share. There's not enough hours in the day to help. And there's so many out there struggling and we know what pain is and we want it. We don't want anybody to suffer like we suffered. So we just want to remove that from everyone. But at the same time, we're not the only one and we need to take care of ourselves before we can share ourselves. And I learned this from my, my business coach when I was starting to feel depleted, literally depleted. And, and we did this little exercise of like, let's go back to why do you feel that you need to do all this? And you can't say no if someone, even if someone's suicidal, like why can't you say no? What, what will happen? And it came down after, you know, the, the going down and why and why and why and why. It came down to my fear, my fear of if I don't show up like this to others, I will get punished and the mental illness will come back to me. And how much zero self-love is there? Wow. You know, like, and it was all because I felt like this is my calling. This is what I have to do. This, I, I, I promise that I'm going to pay it forward, but that doesn't mean you cannot save the world. Even if you promised a, a billion times, you can't save the world. I can't save the world. No one can save the world. We can do the best we can with what we have at that moment. And that's it. And if we don't check in with ourselves, what, what, how are we that moment? It's never going to come up authentic in the world to our children, to our spouse, to our friends. It just won't. Yeah. And it's absolutely. really hard to learn folly. It's hard. <laughs> I'm still learning. <laughs> it's really hard to learn those boundaries and those questions. Also, sometimes we have questions that we don't know. We're so pre-programmed to answers. We're like, wait, but really, what is the answer to that? Check in with yourself. What is really the true self-love here? 
Yeah. I feel like most people have a hard time with that. We, we've learned to negate our bodies and our bodies are our compass. And when I have people check in with their bodies, just teaching them how to check in with their bodies. Can you recognize love in your body? Can you recognize that ease and that joy and that safety? And you know, a lot of people can't initially. It takes time to learn what love feels like in your body. It's a very long process to really come back to self-love. I don't want to, to make people feel like it's hopeless. It's, not, it's, it's a long process, but you know what? Every step of that process is, is worth it and fun and deep and good. And it's not about how far you've gone because, honey, I'm not there yet. I'm far from it. I am not the guru of self-love, but I am deeply into my journey and I'm loving every step. And I've, what I learned is not about the goal. It's not about becoming the guru of self-love. It's not about getting there. It's about committing to keep trying every day. It's walking through it and yeah. practicing it. As somebody that started to practice self-love, let's go through some practices, practical practices that we can give um, people. Let's start with people that don't hate themselves. They just didn't practice. Not not people that were traumatized with abusive relationships that taught them that it's not like there's a lot of that out there. The abusive mental relationships that are were really toxic. And even if they love themselves now to just to repair the damage is so hard. Let's go first to the average person that, as you said, the belonging, the safety pre-programmed them to to step away from self-care, self-love, self-acceptance, what would be simple steps that they should take in the morning, afternoon, evening, practices they could put into place to start even like asking, am I, am I loving myself? So there are a few things. There's a, there's a bunch of things that flood up to the surface that I want to just flood you with. But two things that I can tell you right off the bat. Well, one is, one is mental and one is physical. So on the physical level, do you love yourself enough to take three deep breaths three times a day? I know it sounds quirky and even a little silly, but try it. Can you put your phone down? Can you block out the world, close your eyes, and take three deep, uninterrupted breaths three times a day? Do you love yourself enough to do it? Because a deep breath will fill you with feel-good feelings. It will fill you with that feeling. Most people, if I, when I give this to them for homework, they discount it. They don't do it because it's too easy. And when I challenge them, they just can't see, the, they, they can't see it through. Most people don't love themselves enough or, or never thought of loving that, that, but taking the time for three deep breaths a day is loving. On a mental level, what I tell people who aren't sure if they love themselves, whenever they're faced with a choice or a decision, I tell them to ask themselves, what would someone who loves themselves do? And then do that. Don't justify it. Don't justify, but I shouldn't do that, but I should do things differently. No, no, someone else who isn't you. What would you advise your client or your friend or your daughter? What would someone who loves themselves do? And then do that without justifying it. So that's a mental you know, perception that I give to people. Um, I want to just ask you yeah. on that. What if we don't know what somebody that loves themselves is supposed to do? Like, what Usually if I don't we know? Do. We do? You, Usually you have someone in your mind that -hmm. you can put up as a, on a pedestal, like she loves herself. You know, I, I realize that I use she a lot more than he, I think because this is a predominantly female problem. Um, men tend to struggle. I mean, we, we all universally struggle with self-love. 
But I, I find, and I could be wrong, but I found in my experience that women struggle more with self-love and men struggle more with self-worth. They're similar yet subtly different. And we both struggle with both. But I find that I find myself saying she a lot more when we talk about love because there is a more feminine quality to that, but it's equally applicable to men. Right, right. So most of us do have someone that we can point to, oh, they love themselves. Most, and if you don't think that you do, probably because you judge that person. You're probably not respecting that person. You probably judge that person like they're so selfish because they take care of themselves in a way that you have not allowed yourself to. So if you don't know someone that you look up to as someone who loves themselves, think about a person who triggers you because of how they take care of themselves. (laughs) I love that. I love that. That's so true. Wow. And another, I think another one, I wonder if this is what you agree. What would you tell your best friend that came broken and asking you about this? What would you tell her? What would the words oh, you're right, you should feel bad, you did the wrong thing? Or would you give them self-comforting advice and concrete steps of how they should take care of themselves? And the important thing for that one, though, is don't justify it, that my friend can have it, but I'm different. Like, I don't deserve that. Or my... Yes, you do. Yes, you do. One of my friends once said years ago to me when I was really struggling, said to me, Fali, I wish that one time... I can make you see yourself through my eyes for 30 seconds. I wish I could give you the gift of seeing yourself the way other people see you. Because we tend to be very hard on ourselves. What we'll do for our friends, we very often won't do for ourselves. So it's important that when you go with that one, what would someone who loves themselves do? Or what advice would I give my friend? Do that and don't justify that for yourself. Just don't think. Go ahead and do it before you can think too deeply about it. I love that part that you say, like, don't go analyze it. Am I worth it? Is it, is it true? Not true. If that's your, if that's the answer that you come up with, just do it and say, even if it's wrong, I'm doing it for the sake of the exercise. Yes. There's also something else that I think is really important. Um, in order to establish more self-love, you have to actually know what love is. And I think a lot of people don't. I think what a lot of people assume love is, is Hallmark or Disney or Hollywood or the radio top 40 songs, which frankly, most songs you hear on the radio are just toxic. I love my, my, my top 40 songs, but if you listen to the words, a lot of the relationships, the love that they describe is not real love. It's actually really toxic, codependent, uh, frankly, borderline abusive love. Mm-hmm. So in order to really develop a healthy self-love for yourself, you have to understand what love is and it's not what you think. So, so what is it? Well, should I tell you? Yes. Do you love yourself enough to hear this? <laughs> so I, I took this out of a fabulous little book called The Art of Loving, written by Eric Fromm um, over half a century ago. And it's still like, to me, it's, it's a very thin book. It's like the Bible on love. And he said that what love is, it's not the felt sense of warmth in your body. It's not that heart-based uh, yumminess. It's a commitment It's a promise. It's an orientation of generosity, of going outside of the self. And how do you know that this is true? Because I love my kids, but I don't always feel love to my kids. I don't even always like them. There are times where I'm very, very, very angry with people that I love. And I'm probably angry because I love them. They were able to anger me so. But in those moments of anger, I don't feel love. So love has to be the promise that I am going to be there for you no matter how I feel about you in this moment. Love is not a feeling. It's a promise. Wow. 
Wow. So it's not this mushy, cozy place at all. It's a constant like vow you make with yes. yourself versus or others. Yes. And the vow has four parts to it. There are four elements of love. And we learn it from the four places in the world that we learn about love. So the first element of love, and this is, again, I'm quoting straight from Eric from the first element of love is, is the motherly love, which is nurture. Before birth, you were already in a relationship of love where you were nurtured. You were given everything you needed in order to survive, right? Food, nurture through the mother in the womb, and, and, and comfort, and warmth, and safety, and shelter. So the first level of love is a commitment to nurture. So when you talk about loving your children, loving your spouse, loving your friends, loving yourself, it is a commitment to doing what it takes to nurture the object of your love. It's, it's again, it's an orientation of generosity. You're going outside of yourself to nurture another, even if the other is essentially my own inner child. I need to pause you for a second. Sure. Because I understand that I need to do this for myself. Always show up for myself. And like when we talk about self-love and we start practicing self-love, is it's asking, is this right for me? I have to show up. You're saying it's the commitment and nurture. Now you're saying the first step is nurture. When it comes to children, to people, uh, to people around us, that we have that commitment of love, and by the way, it shouldn't be just too many people because it's a, it's a recipe to failure. So like choose the people and don't use the word love so easily. I always say like, oh yeah, please don't say love you all the time because you're abusing this powerful word, which is love. And then you're making it meaningless when you just say, okay, like, I love you. Make sure it's really somebody you love. Like you're saying commitment to showing up and, and nurturing. So let's say we, we have children. That's the like unconditional love. You must love your child. You might, as you said so beautifully, you might not like them and many times be so frustrated and tear your hair out from them and lose your mind and even be in pain, extreme pain from something that they do. And you still love them. Where does the boundaries come in? Because for ourselves, we don't have boundaries for love. But how do we express, we say to our child, listen, I really love you. But right now it's 10 o'clock at night. I'm not talking to you. We're going to talk tomorrow. Where's that nurture you speak about and the on the limitless commitment to nurture? So that brings us to our second stage of love. See, you, <laughs> you fed right into it. Well, there's something also to be said for nurture is that nurture doesn't necessarily mean that I'm running a soup kitchen and nurturing everybody who comes along my path. Nurture means showing up with a nurturing heart. So I don't always have to feed everybody who's hungry, but I can show up with a heart full of nurture. That's the first thing. When we commit, we commit to generosity. How do we show up? Well, there's nurture, which is the motherly love. So it doesn't always mean physical nurture. It could just mean showing up from a nurturing place. But so then, to ourself as well? As well, with a kindness, with that compassion, with that warmth. Nurture doesn't always have to be physical. But we'll say no to our children, but we, we should never ah. say no to ourselves. So then, but we, one minute. So then we go into fatherly love. Fatherly love takes us from nurture into responsibility. Where responsibility is, look, I love you and I want to spend all night with you, but I also need you to go to sleep because you have a bedtime. And I'm as a responsible parent, it might not always feel nurturing to you, but I know that by acting responsibly, it is ultimately nurturing, even if it doesn't look like nurture or feel nurturing to you. So a baby can only handle nurturing love, but as we evolve, we move into responsible love. 
we balance the two between nurture and responsible. We, I, I put, so it's, it's called fatherly love because the father is generally in charge of the responsibilities in the house, the roof over the head, the income. And I understand women were the practical, were the practical aspects. Women are breadwinners too, but this is just categories right, right, of right. the practical aspects of love. Right, You're right. practically taken care of. I know people who had a lot of nurture in their life, but zero boundaries, like you said. There were no responsibility. There was no bedtime. There was no, you know... And they weren't successful or in the end of in the long run, they had a lot of resentment towards their parents for not giving them the safety that structure provides. So that's level two of love. Wait, level pause two. before you go to three. Yeah. How do we practice two with ourselves? Making sure that you do the right things for yourself. There are kind things. See, I always tell people self-care does not necessarily equate to self-love because I can care for myself and buy myself ice creams every day. But that's, that's going to give me diabetes. And it's going to probably give me an extra 100 pounds on the scale. So that's not really loving. So there's that balance that you have to have between nurture and responsibility. And if you truly loved yourself, you'd be responsible to yourself as well. And sometimes responsibility means get yourself to the gym three times a week. Because it doesn't, you don't like it. It doesn't feel nurturing to you, but it's really good for you to do that. So responsibility requires, in Hebrew we say, a certain amount of gavura, strength, boundaries, to know that I, I respect myself and I love myself enough to do this for myself, to not watch Netflix till two o'clock in the morning, even though there's no grown-up telling you, get to bed because you're past your curfew. So that's what we can do for ourselves. And I know so many of my, my friends who struggle with this. Turn your phone off at a reasonable time. Give yourself a bedtime. Create some boundaries for yourself. Responsibility. Be responsible. Yes. Yeah, responsibility. So one is more um, soft, caring, nurturing, and one is responsible. Yes. When it comes to us, I understand when we give it to others, mm. but when it comes to us, how do we practice both? And I and and that's a, you you explained it so beautifully that sometimes we need to also like in a way, um, accept things that are not okay with us and radical acceptance is love. Yes. And that's not beautiful and loving and doving and, oh no, it's the hard truth that is painful sometimes, but the acceptance is the practical part that needs to go with love. Yeah. Or even, you know, making yourself a doctor's appointment. I know a lot of adults push that off. I'll take my kid to the doctor anytime, but myself, you know, I'll struggle with, with an issue for two years before I drag myself to a doctor. That's responsible love. So it doesn't always look like, again, that mushy, hallmark, Valentine's Day love. But you know, taking yourself to the doctor, that's love. So then we move on from fatherly love, we move on to brotherly love, which is really sibling love. And sibling love is boundaries. We come from the same place. We're all one. We came from the same womb. We share, you know, maybe we shared a bathtub when we were younger, but at a certain point, we start respecting each other's boundaries, each other's individuality, each other's own thought process, each other's journeys. So in friendship, it's really easy to see that. Like, I love you. I don't always agree with you, but I will show up for you with respect, with boundaries. So when you show up for yourself that way, again, you don't always have to like yourself. I don't like myself every day. Sometimes I show up to the world in a, in a down mood or I judge myself really harshly. So sibling love is, can I accept myself without judging myself? I don't have to like where I'm at, 
I can try to do better tomorrow. I can even try to do better today. But can I accept that there's something inside of me that is unsettled without judgment? Because that's what sibling love is. Or can I accept, can I create boundaries for myself? Like, I don't have to push myself this hard right now. Or I could push myself a little bit harder. You know, really, um, really getting to know yourself on that level so that you can manage yourself, so that you can manage yourself well. That's what brotherly or sibling love looks like when we talk about this orientation of love. And again, it doesn't always feel loving when you have to set a boundary. Sometimes it's really tough and sometimes it'll cost you a friendship or a relationship. Yeah, how many times do we hear, I can't do that because they'll never speak to me again. I actually said this last night to a friend of mine, afraid to say something to somebody and I'm like, they'll never talk to me again. But I really wanted to say it, but I was afraid that it's going to cost me the relationship and it wasn't worth it. So I just swallowed what I didn't want to, what I really wanted to say and express, but I wasn't showing up for myself out of fear of losing. And a lot of times going back to what you said about religion, I suffer with this a lot. And I know that a lot of people that I speak to suffer with this, that I, I shut down my, my self-love to myself the way I want to show up in the world because on the cost of what are people going to say? They want, I'm going to lose that relationship. It's not worth it. So I'd rather just sit in silence and not express myself. But that's not true love. And you know something else? If I can't speak my mind with you, again, obviously always in a respectful and an appropriate way, if I'm withholding from you a part of my self, then ultimately that means I don't trust you. And if I don't trust you, then where's the love in that relationship? Where's the truth in that relationship? It goes back to that the circle. And back right to the circle. Yeah. Right, right. So wow. we think we're being loving when we withhold truth or our truth from a friend, but that's not love. That's false. We just built a beautiful relationship that's built on, on air because I don't trust you enough to hold space for me. I don't trust that you love me enough. So I can't show up with that. Like Brene Brown says about, um, you know, she has this, she talks about trust. And one of the things she speaks about is braving. And she did this, the letters. And one of them is really being able to say, to, to trust that I could share with you something that might not feel okay to you and you won't throw the relationship apart. And I could trust that you can accept me the way it is the way I am, and it won't damage us. Yes, very much, very much. Because most of us, we can conceptualize that for other people, but to think about it, turning it back to yourself, to be able to, you know, most of us are at war all the time with the voice inside of our head. And we're so busy trying to get that voice to agree with us. What happens if we can show up to the voice inside of our head and say, hmm, I don't have to believe everything I think. That's sibling love. I love you, little voice in my head. I get where you're coming from but I don't have to believe everything you think. We can still be friends and I can do what I want anyway. So that one is a little hard one. It's a hard one for me, but you know, it evolves with time. Right, with practice, like anything With else. practice. Right. And then the fourth stage of love is the love of a lover, of a spouse, which is knowledge, where I love you so much. I want to go on this endless adventure with you till death do us part to get to know all of you. And we know that in many cultures... In many religions, the, the, the phrase to know is a euphemism for intimacy. Because when you are truly intimate with someone, we say it's very cheesy, but people use it into me see, right? That's what intimacy is. It means I'm getting, I'm letting my partner know all of me, get to know all of me. Can you love this part of me? 
Can you love this part of me? Can you love this part of me? So when it comes to self-love, it's a commitment to doing inner work. Keep going inside. Get to know the parts of yourself, your shadows, the parts of yourself that you're afraid to look at, the parts of yourself that you're afraid to own, the parts of yourself that you've hidden away for a really long time because you were afraid they weren't lovable. So that's the fourth level of love, to show up as a lover. To yourself? To yourself, to others, to the world. Tell me more about you. I mean, Matana, come on. We have friends like this, right? You have some friends who sit across from you and want to discuss shopping. And then you have friends who hold their cup of coffee between their hands. They look you in the eye and they say, tell me something I don't know. Tell me more of me. What more can I, I want to hold space for so much more of you. Share another part of your soul with me. Give me that gift. Intimacy, real intimacy. intimacy. Right, right. Can you do that for yourself? But that's sometimes so painful because we yeah. do know ourselves, but we bury it because we don't want to look it in the eye. Yeah. And we have to learn that we can meet those parts of ourselves with love. So having conversations with ourselves, literally? All the time. <laughs> Oh, all the time. I talk to myself all day long. You know, you know what I realized after a while? I really like myself. You like having conversations with yourself and you like what you're saying and you like the depth. I like the depth of talking to myself. And I realized it didn't used to be this way. But after a long time, slowly, slowly, myself started growing on me. And I realized I could spend a while with her. I use, people think I'm very extroverted because I do well in public situations. I do well on stage. But really... I'm a closet introvert and people don't know this about me. My extroversion. No way. Yeah. No I'm like, way. Yeah. I'm called an ambivert because I'm like 50, 50. I'm smack in the middle of the scale. I'm just as comfortable in my own company as with other people. Spending too much time in other people's company actually drains me after a while, which is very surprising because I don't present that way. But what I realized was that my extroversion was really just an escape from having to spend time with myself. And right now, I mean, my husband does Vipassana meditations where he'll go meditate for 10 days in silence. And um, I used to be scared of doing that. Like, I don't think I could spend... Now Now I think I can do it. I, I told my healer, I think maybe we said this last time. I told my healer, which he hates when I call him my healer, but the person that guided me to healing, my holistic therapist, and I said to him, the day that I can say, I want to spend a month in Thailand with myself, I know is the day I healed because I was so afraid of being with myself. I did. And when people with, when I heard of people with themselves, I'm like, like literally it hurt my heart. I'm like, oh my God, how can they be with themselves for 10 days on a mountaintop? They're like on their own, literally with no cell phones, no communication. I'm like, aren't they in pain? But no, they were in such intimacy with themselves, such love. And I was so jealous because I wanted to be in that quiet place because it's really a nice, peaceful, quiet place without the noise around us. And thank God, I really came a long, long, long way. And and I love time with myself. I love, I won't say that I want a month with myself yet. I'm not there yet, not there, but I definitely yearn for time with myself. Yeah, before a month to myself, I'd kind of like a five-minute bathroom break to myself. <laughs> My kids haven't left the house in four months. It would be nice, but we'll, we'll work our way up there. <laughs> no, but I, I really... I, I've, with all joking aside, I really think that one of my biggest fears was with be, being alone. 
yeah. with my thoughts, with and and it came from a lack of self love and a lot of like shame, self self doubt. I always needed someone to make hallmark, so that lovey dovey fuzzy feeling that I needed to get from the people around me to feel mm. safe. And right. I wasn't feeling safe if I didn't have that. Which and if is you had it, awful. it was never enough. Yeah, and it's awful. And I was draining the people around me because I, I just needed it all the time to keep me isolated from myself. Yeah. There's actually a fifth element to love. I said before that there were four. Um, and that's because there there's in nature we have the I, we have a lot of the times we have this concept of there's four and then a fifth element that binds them so there what i just gave you was the four elements of love and then there's the fifth element of love which is transcendent it's the love of god it's a love that isn't reciprocal it is a just because love with no intention of ever really reaping the rewards of it it's why when we do when we bury the dead we call it chesed shel emes it is the generosity, the kindness of truth, because there's no reciprocation. And that's a very, very high transcendent level of love. And it doesn't look like love either. It doesn't feel like love either. It feels like gratitude. That's how you know you're in love. You're in love with life when you can feel gratitude. It's not the hallmark mushy love. The four elements of love require a commitment to generosity. And the fifth element is gratitude. When you can show up with a generosity towards yourself, towards others, you will end up feel you will end up living from a place of gratitude. And that is love. That is love. That is showing up to life with love. And it's not a coincidence that we start, I mean, as Jews, we start every day with the words moda'ani, right? I am grateful because what we want to show up to life with is like, I want to love life. I want to be in love with life. I want to wake up every morning, get out of bed and say, I love this day. I'm so excited that I have another whole day to play here on this earth. And gratitude is that love, that baseline that gives that to us. So love isn't at all what they've been selling you. In fact, they've been selling you a lie. They, how many times have we heard the expression falling in love? As if it's like an accident, like you just fell into love. But now it, it makes sense that people that don't really know each other can't love each other. It's through practice yes. and, and commitment. Absolutely. It's through the hard times that you love. It's not yes. through the easy times that you love. It's through the growing, through that, that, those painful, messy times that we work things out between ourselves with relationships. That's where love is born. Yes. And you know, you asked me before about people who haven't suffered trauma, how they can start building love. But the question for people who have suffered trauma, how do they go about it? Well, it's really, really simple. Most people believe that love is something you fall into, right? I fell in love. So it's an accident, which means it happens by chance, which means that if it happens by chance, we're very desperate when we have it because I better not lose this love because maybe it'll never come along again. And then people who were raised or didn't get raised without it or, or were robbed of it feel like, desperate for it. I, I must not be worthy of it or where am I going to get it? But if you can understand that love is not something that happens, rather love is something that you create by establishing and maintaining a commitment to generosity, it doesn't matter what your childhood was. I mean, we obviously have to do a lot of work around that and we have to heal from it. But just because you weren't raised with love doesn't mean you can't create love. You can't commit to love. 
When you understand that love is just generosity, going outside of the self, showing up over and over and over again, you can heal yourself. You can give yourself a love that you've never received as a child. You're not a void. You can do this. What if um, someone's always told you're not worthy? If you are only like this, so you would be... And unfortunately, it's, it's parents, it's spouses, it's friends, it's mentors, grandparents. We, there's usually somebody, a bully in our life, in our lives, and I'm going to call them bullies because they're using their insecurities to put us down so they can feel up. So when they put us down, we start believing it. How do so, we take that out? How do we move that awful, awful part of us that we believe is true? Well, I think we have to make the distinction between feeling good and acting in a loving manner. So when we were bullied, what we started believing is you don't deserve to feel love. You don't deserve to feel good. But when, I'm, when, I, when I talk about love, I'm not talking about the feeling. I'm talking about the commitment. Can you think about, do you think that you can make a commitment to eating good meals three times a day? You don't have to feel loving towards yourself. You don't even have to like yourself. Can you make a checklist? And by doing that checklist, by following the commitment the guidelines, you will eventually, inevitably come to a place of mature, stable love. So the bullies, they destroyed us and they did a really good job at that. But the loophole that they could not have seen, and, out, and which is at the end of the day, our saving grace, is that they did not understand love when they told us we weren't worthy of it. And we did not understand love when they mm. told us we weren't worthy of it. So the love that we believe we're not worthy of is Hallmark love. That's okay. The, the I don't need Hallmark. Exactly. Right. The Hollywood fake love, which is not love because we, we use the word wrong. Yes. Yeah. So as soon as I'm ready to open my eyes to what real love is, nobody has ever stolen that from me. Nobody has ever stolen that. It's something like I tell, I used to work with teens a lot. Right? When, I, cause when I started my work, I was a teacher for teenagers for many years. What I realized is kids who don't like themselves or who are basically attacked mentally by the media all the time, they don't think themselves as beautiful. So when you try to rebuild their self-esteem, they don't have any. They, you, can't, you can't tell a kid who thinks she's ugly. You're so beautiful. You're so beautiful. You're so beautiful. It's not going to work. But what I learned you can tell a kid is, you're so striking. You're so different. You have this like unique look to you. They'll gobble that up. Because you know why? No one ever told them that they weren't striking. They've been told a million times they weren't beautiful. So they don't believe you, but they've never been told they weren't striking. So you have to target them with a new thought, a new belief, a new word. And the same thing comes with love. You've been told a million times that you don't deserve Hallmark love. So throw it out. You don't need it. I'm giving you something better. I'm giving you a more real, deep, meaningful love. One that they couldn't tell you you didn't deserve because they didn't know about it. So they didn't take it from you. Which is the commitment. Yeah. It's, it's the commitment. So, wow. This is like, wow. I love it so much. Wow. We're going to put this, the four things in the show notes because it's so powerful and book that you recommended. Yeah. I'll text it to you. Yeah. Because it's just so, wow. I think it's a game changer. It's literally a game changer. And then no one could say, but I was told and I need to, it's forget about it. It's something else. It's something completely. else. Completely. Yeah. Completely. And when we start showing up with that, we suddenly realize that it's so fun and nice and, and healing. And that's when 
we start believing that we're worthy of healing. We're worthy of a good life. We're worthy of inviting the best things to, we're worthy of accepting abundance and best relationships. And, and, and God loves us always, yes. no matter what we did, no matter how we show up there, the fifth element that you speak of is no matter what. Yes. And I'm going to say something The this is a common one. I didn't come up with this one. You know, the word evolve has the word love in it. The first four letters, right. Of the word, uh, evolve. Uh, yes. Has the word love. What I realized is if you want to evolve and truly evolve, you have to take everything you think you know about love and flip it, turn it backwards. Because love is in the world word evolve, but it's backwards. Because the love that you think is love is not love. Turn it upside down, turn it on its head. And that is the secret to evolving and to healing and to raising your vibrations. Wow. That is so beautiful. So, so beautiful. Folly, Wow. I'm inspired. I'm so excited. I thought I knew what self-love was. <laughs> and here I am learning how much I didn't know. And well, ask is, me in a year. There's probably more I don't know. Either. I am sure you're going to enlighten us forever. Every day that you live, you're going to you're just like a sponge. You take it all in. You're like, you literally, you just take it all in. It's fantastic. And I'm so grateful that I have you as a teacher, really as a teacher and, as a, friend. Uh, and a teacher and a mentor and spirit and a spiritual being that shares with me. So fantastic. So I want to wrap up with, so what you said before, which was beautiful, the, the practical tips, because I always like leaving some practical tips. So you said the three times a day, taking those three deep breaths. And, and you know that my um, producer, Heather, that I love so much, she just bought me a gift, a necklace that says, um, inhale, exhale, because she said she knows that I live with breath. I said, the biggest gift God gave me that comes with me everywhere is my breath. And my kids even like know to say, okay, mommy, go breathe. Mommy, go breathe. Brownie needs a minute. And I, I really go into like the moments that I just like, and if you tune into it and you really stop for a second and, or five seconds and breathe, the, you're just like, as if you took a uh, energy drink. If we just tapped into the breath that we do all the time and we do it properly with, with blocking everything out, closing your eyes, being in a quiet place, just de- do those deep breaths because they're so powerful. And the I'll other something else yeah, on that yeah. one though. Think about where the breath comes from, right? It said that God blew the breath in, right? So essentially what the breath is, is the breath of life and it comes from God himself. He gave us mouth to mouth. We give mouth to mouth the people we love, right? We kiss the people we love on the mouth. So when you connect to your breath, what higher form of love is there? God is kissing you on the lips. If God loves you enough to kiss you on the lips and give you breath, I mean, that's, that's the key to love. That's the key to feeling it. You see another nugget of folly. (laughs) So yeah, beautiful. So there's the three deep breaths. And also when you're in doubt, ask yourself somebody that you respect or somebody that you like annoyed at, triggers you, what would they do in this situation? And without judgment, without thinking about it, without analyzing it, just do it. Mm-hmm. Provided true. it's not actively hurting someone else, and for and yourself, cavi- for yourself, yeah. yeah, for yourself. I mean, people being disappointed in you is not actively hurting them, which is a distinction we need to make. People are not always going to like your choices, as long as you're not like setting someone's house on fire because it makes you feel good, you know. But people just being disappointed in your choices, well, that's fine. To me, that's fine. 
as long and as I think, doing- yeah, and I think if we're intellectually honest, we will come to the, to the truth of what's motivating us to do that thing. Like yeah. we really like whoever's listening to this episode is is deep enough to know what you're talking about and is yeah. is, is is aware and connected and intuitive and yeah okay mm-hmm. so we have those two anything okay. else anything else hmm what's your there favorite so tool many. that you do for your for you like your go-to all the time you want to hear my favorite tool yeah sometimes i take a glass of water and i hold it in my hands and i think about a lot of things that i love and i imagine that love going into the water and then I make a blessing on the water and I drink it. So it goes into your body. Because water has memory. I mean, I don't know. I have a little daughter. Everyone's little daughter's washed Frozen. And when Frozen 2 came out and it says the, the, the tagline of the movie was water has memory, water has memory. But in Kabbalistic thought, we know this already. We know that water has memory. So when you can take water and you can bless the water and you can think of your children or you can think of a happy moment and you can just imagine sending the water that love. Water has memory. And it will imprint love. And then you drink that water. But guess what? Your body is 55% water. So when you drink that water, you're bringing that love right back into your own body. So it's like this endless cycle of love. It's my favorite one. It's a little bit of a weird one. I was hoping you would love it. (laughs) I love it. First of all, I remember you did some kind. I remember at the, you told me once, I think it was at the course. It's right here. The rice experiment. It's right here. I'm, I'm in the middle of talking about manifestation. I'm in the middle of doing that same experiment with my children right now. We haven't done it in two years, and here it is. Yeah. So, so tell so the people don't know what we're talking about. So yeah. So Dr. Masharo Emoto, he was a scientist who studied this, the effect of intention, specifically the intention behind certain words. And so he took water and he put w- words on the outside of the cups or glasses of water. He froze the water and then looked at the frozen ice crystals under a microscope. And any of the water that had nice words like love and hope or prayer had these beautiful um, symmetrical crystals form. Anything that had a difficult word like hate or anger had these very grotesque crystals form, very asymmetrical and, and stunted. So we've replicated this experiment by cooking up a pot of rice and dividing them into a couple of containers, brand new containers, never been used before, sealed them. And we wrote different words on each container. And it's fascinating because all four of the containers are going to grow mold because that's what happens. But the kind of mold that they will grow is different. The color will be different. And it's, it's fascinating to see each time. We like to do this experiment every so often because it teaches the kids the power of the words we choose, that words have power in them. When you can see what the word hate will do to a bowl of rice, and for those of you at home who are going to try this experiment, you got to give it like eight weeks. It takes a while for it to mold. You know, you have to be you have to be okay with moldy rice sitting around for a while. So, but when you can see what it, what what the hate jar looks like after six weeks of mold and festering, my kids are like, if that if that word will do that to a pot of rice. Imagine what it will do to my friend's heart when I say, I hate you. So it's really, really powerful. So when, and the love, it's funny that you're asking me this because you didn't know that I was just doing this experiment. I can send you a picture later that right now, the jar that has love had the mold formed this beautiful red patch of mold in the shape of a heart. Stop. I've never seen this before. (laughs) I've never seen it before. Wow. So when I can do that to my glass of water and hold it in my hands and say, I love you, I love you, I love you. I may not be able to look at myself in the mirror and say, hey, Folly, I love you. I'm not ready to say that yet. 
but maybe I can tell the water, I love you. Or maybe I can hold the water and think of my children because I love them. And then I'll drink the water and put some more love into me. Do you have to and say it or thinking? You can think it. Thinking I, is enough? Thinking is enough because intention does affect energy. And they've proven that in science, that, okay. that when you watch electrons, they will move. You don't have to say anything. Just being observed will uh, change the, 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 the permutations of matter. Mm -hmm. So you don't even have to say it. Although saying is very powerful. Right. That's where affirmations come in. I, so, I'm so you're saying you're holding this glass and you're visualizing goodness like or feelings or what, what, what exactly? Even if you're just thinking. Sometimes I'll just hold the glass and say the names of my children. Or I'll, I'll think about something really happy that happened to me that day. Or I'll think about, I don't know, anything loving. I'll think about the feeling of a hug. Or even if you think about a red heart, a little smiley face emoji or a kissy face emoji as you're holding your glass. Well, that Something that feels good. Something that exactly. feels good to you. Exactly. Or you know what? Even put on a song that makes your heart happy and hold the water or focus on the water while you're singing to your favorite song and then drink it. Wait, I, 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 I'm going back to the rice for a second. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the yeah. jars, the jars that you put the different rice inside, mm -hmm. you, the water has the saying the before you cook the rice with that water no. or no, no, you nope. cook regular rice with regular water. Yep. Regular rice, regular water. After it was cooked, I took the rice, divided it into a couple of containers. Plastic? Loads of the plastic containers, brand new, straight out of the, straight out of the box. I haven't used before. They're not contaminated or anything. Sealed the containers and then took a black Sharpie marker and wrote different words on each container. So one container says hate. One container says love. And I always like to do this one. On the third container, I always put the word ignore. And it's very interesting to see what happens with the ignore container because ignoring a living being, ignoring another person, sometimes the ignore container comes out worse than the hate container. Yeah. And then this time we did one that says, I'm sorry. I just was curious. I wanted to see what the words, yeah, forgiveness. Wow. You'll, is that the first time you're doing it? Yeah. We're, it's the first time we're doing, I'm sorry. And what's interesting is now that the rice actually melted and became almost like they're giving each other a hug. I'll send you some pictures. It's really cool. Folly is like, you see, you see what folly is? It's all about experimenting, trying, learning, evolving. That's folly. That is By just the way, folly. for a quicker way to do this experiment, I don't know why it never dawned on me before, but take slices of bread because the rice can take like eight weeks to mold properly. Really? Eight weeks out of a refrigerator? Okay. So you know what? You know what? I think maybe it's just me. No, it is you because your energy. By the way, right. uh, you're, you're, I told you this. Flowers die yeah. by me after a week. The plant that has no sunshine in your house is, you living, me. is living forever. I was sure it's going to die within a month. It's still living. It's crazy. It's I there. kill plant, and I always say it's my energy. I always tell people it's my energy. It's my energy. It's my energy. I need but I kill my plants too. To be fair, I kill plants too. Well, obviously, you didn't do this. Not one, that so. one. No, but I think so, it really has to do with maybe the space where the energy is. Maybe you do a lot of positive healing I do. Stuff in this room. I do. But I will say this. Bread will mold much faster. So if you take one, one loaf of bread, which is the same control, right? They all started in the same place. Slice up a couple of slices. Put each slice in a separate baggie, you know, separate Ziploc bag. Take, you know, different words on each bag. No, It'll mold no, within the week. And no water in it. No water. You don't need water. The humidity from the room will top. Yeah, bread will mold anyway. Right. So you don't I'm have to do this. Like I'm doing this with my kids. Yeah, okay. try and with a slice of bread.
Yeah. And then try anything, any word that's a, that is a curiosity to you of how it's going to The one thing I wouldn't suggest though, and people have asked me this, well, would you try this with plants? Now on plants, this will absolutely work. And my heart won't let me do it because plants to me are living beings. Um, I, I just, I can't, when you can see what this would do to rice, it's, it's like, how can I do that to a plant that is only wanting to thrive? Wait, I, so maybe I, I should buy a vase that says love and just all my flowers should go into there and maybe, maybe. they'll start living longer. You know what? Let me know how that goes for you. <laughs> I'm going to try that. I'm going to try that. Or I'm going to put a little sticky note on it. Love or something. I think I'm going to try that. I know people might be thinking we're crazy, but you know what? We Let are. Them. It is. It's yeah. fine. It's fine because... We, we love this vibration where we're hanging out and it's just you know so, what? it's you so much better. You can either be sane and miserable or crazy and really happy. Yeah. Someone asked me today, do you, they asked me how long it took me to go from a deep sadness of yearning to be happy to actually being happy again. When, for my days of depression, like, are you really, really happy now? I said, no, now I'm not happy. I'm in joy. It's yes. a different level. Once I need, once I needed to go on a trip to be happy. I needed music. I need, and I'm saying we still have it today, but now yeah. when nothing is happening, I'm in joy. Yes. Deep joy. That is something yes. that I didn't have before. And once you experience that joy, it's just something that it's, it's, I say it's like Ganeden. That's like heaven, like that feeling yeah. of, of heaven. So when we experience that and we go to there, so we're like, okay, who cares if people think we're crazy? We're, we're living in joy, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. After doing a lot of work and it doesn't mean that we don't have sadness and frustration and anger, but we have those moments of joy that we hold on to and we wait for it again. And we, we just know that that's the way it is. Yeah. When we invite After everything it. that I now know about love, I can create it again. I don't have to wait to fall in love or happiness to find me. I can create my own happiness. Amen. So Folly, when's your next course? If somebody let's, I know that you don't know exactly when, mm -hmm. how can they follow you to know um, when it's going to happen? Oh, you do this to me. I'm like, I don't have Instagram or social media or any of this stuff, but I will send you a fly. Oh, so you know time. what, guys? Listen, listen, I'm going to be, first of all, I'm going to be taking the next one. I didn't tell Folly, but I'm definitely Amen. taking the definitely. next one. I'm taking the, I'm going to share it with the audience because it's so powerful. And mm -hmm. just from this hour and a half, I can't believe we're speaking an hour and a half, but um, just for this hour and a half, I feel like you changed my whole perspective. I thought that I knew a lot about self-love, but you changed the whole lens of what I'm looking at. You know, it's like when you go to a optometrist and they're like, what do you see now? What do you see now? You're like, oh, I thought it was a circle, but now I see a heart. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so I'm, I'm so glad. Thank you. Wow. I want to like take a moment of gratitude to God that put you in my mind exactly at the right time for Hope to Recharge community and for sending your friend to postpone it for now that you were ready for us on the highest level that could be. So I really Isn't want to say thank you, Hashem. Thank you, God, for, for putting everything so nicely into alignment and, um, and for making this episode so epic, really epic. So thank you. Fantastic, Folly. So Folly, do you have any website or anything that people can follow you? 
I don't right now. Um, I, you will be the first to know the minute I do. I'm kind of lazy about it. Um, but the next time we plan on running this course is probably after the holidays. So probably like uh, end of October, November time. Okay. The reason Folly doesn't have a website is she is so popular. People, <laughs> just, she, people she, like, you know, those people that you don't have to have any literature. They just show up at her at, in front of her because so many people love working with her and that need her. And, and she was saying that they put the course out there and within how many oh, days? So we kind of put the course out there as an experiment. We were kind of like, we're really lazy right now. It's coronavirus. We're really happy just not doing anything. But, you know, we have this course, so let's see. And we gave it away at a crazy price also because it was the first time that I was running it. So we just said, let's put it out there and we'll close the deadline by Wednesday midnight. So on Monday, we advertised that we would do an exploratory call for people to ask questions. We could talk about the course. So that was Monday night. And then Wednesday night, 48 hours later, we closed registration and we had 40 women and 20 men on the course. And we actually, we all, we all, when we, when we started, we said, all we need is like 10 women and 10 men to do it, like to create the two cohorts. We were like, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And then God was just like, nope, it's going to work. <laughs> so that's why yeah. I kind of never got into social media. I felt like I don't need to be anyone's guru. I you're the vessel. You are right. the vessel. You created the me. vessel. Right. And you're inviting it and it's just coming to you and it knows its way. It has its own GPS to find folly. If someone wants to find folly, they find folly and that's it. It's like <laughs> Mary Poppins. We show up when we're needed. <laughs> yeah. But folly's email is? Uh, it's initiatoryexperience at gmail.com. So I'll send it to you so you can post it, I guess, in the okay. bio under this yeah. podcast because it's right. a pain in the neck to spell. Okay, fine. Poor thinking okay. on my part. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much, Folly, for Thank joining you. us. Thank you for teaching me about self-love, something that I didn't know, a new perspective, a new understanding. And, and now I'm going to do the two. By the way, the water, I'm going to try to do it every day because we drink water every day. So why not? We can't lose. Right. I say like gratitude. You can't lose with practicing gratitude. You can only enhance the same thing with water. Before you drink a glass of water, just close your eyes for 10 seconds even. 10 yeah. seconds and just give that that positive energy. Thank you everybody for listening. If you know anyone that wants to hear about self-love that can help themselves get better at self-love or, or start understanding what self-love is, share this episode with them. You might save a life. You might save a family. You might start a new domino effect of love in the world. Thank you for listening. Bye till next time. Thank you for joining us and taking the time to listen. I really appreciate it. Please hit the subscribe button so you can hear further episodes. If you are listening to us on iTunes, please leave feedback and ratings below. Let us know if there's any topic that you would like to hear from us in the future. Bye till next time.